0: Hey, everybody. Normally, I would be starting off this podcast by welcoming Derek, but instead, I have a guest. Derek has left me all alone to fly solo, but fortunately, I have a co-pilot today, and it is Mr. Jason Cohen. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: I didn't realize I had to fly, though. thats uh, I guess I need to put the booze down now.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you people can't see this, but Jason is chugging from a large bottle of bourbon uh, <laughs> regularly. It was a large bottle uh, of bourbon. exactly now it's just a bottle um so in just in case you have not heard of jason he is a four-time entrepreneur he's done bootstrapping he's done fundraising uh currently he's the cto of wp engine which you started off bootstrapping and then raised money for and now is enormous like 700 employees or something
1: Uh, only 615
0: okay so a a relatively small enterprise well if you establish
1: the baseline at 700 then it's small
0: that's true, yes, comparatively. Uh, so we'll, we'll like, go back and this edit is like this. This like
1: pricing logic, you know, you you have to set the 100%. frame up and then it can feel like anchoring. it's expensive or not.
0: Angering is, it's such a powerful, ridiculous brain hack, I can't even believe it's like legal. Like you shouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> well, fortunately, you know it. Although even when you know it, it's still difficult to um, to ignore it. That's the thing, yeah. Like it, if, if only knowing your cognitive biases meant they didn't work anymore. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. So I saw you on Justin's podcast um, and live stream extravaganza, and I really liked what you were saying. I appreciate your sort of semi-contrarian, no BS kind of tell it like its attitude, I guess. And also, I didn't realize that you did podcasts. So I was like, all right, I got to get him over here. Well, I don't
1: <laughs> well, know, I don't you know if I would say it was contrarian. That's a joke. Um, yeah, that's fair. I'm, yeah, being, not I'm being contrarian, semi-contrarian, contrarian. Like, by saying it's not semi-contrarian. Okay, never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. You backed yourself into a tautology anti-tautology i appreciate anyone that will talk straight with people and i got the sense that like J- justin was kind of hoping you would say yeah you can you can work on this business about 10 hours a week and that'll be fine like don't worry about it too much right and you were like nope, nope. no way sorry <laughs> right what's what's nice about being straight even if it kind of hurts is that
1: you can get right to the solutions like just yes. stop beating around the bush about what's going on or what's wrong and just and it's nobody's fault like just stop it Let's just call it what it is, and then and then let's spend all the time thinking about. But what could we do? What were, what are some options? Can we weigh those? What could I try? Like, let's just get to that part and and stop, you know, arguing about whether, you know, how that works. Let's just get to it.
0: Have you seen Paul Graham give advice to startups?
1: Um, well, not in person, of course. I think many of us have seen the advice in the form of blog posts and tweets. I think it's a great example of. There's a common phrase people give advice to themselves, yeah. Meaning, like but what, what what I what I would I would sort of amend a little and say, uh, people have a certain thing in mind when they give advice, and it's often themselves because we're all egotistical, and of course I'm not an exception. But there's certain goals you have in mind or a certain context. Uh, like for him, it's you got to change the world and make something huge and. Uh, And so that's the context and so the advice is in that context and it's not and so is that advice still accurate if you're a bootstrapper and you don't want to be the next Facebook is that still and you don't want to be a Y Combinator company which of course is what the advice is tuned for a Y Combinator style companies so if that's not you then is the advice right and the answer is sometimes because some advice is more universal or maybe you know there's other reasons why it's right for you and maybe it's not. So the closer you can get to an advisor who either naturally is aligned with you because they are the sa- they have the same kinds of goals and attitudes and worldviews and and life trade-offs and other things as you. And so even though they're talking about themselves that it works, that's one way. Or someone who's conscientious and, and sort of aware enough to ask lots and lots of questions
0: first to try to understand those very same topics so that so that hopefully the advice is is tuned. So the reason I brought him up in particular is because I feel like he has a – like 0% buffer before he's like stop talking i have another question for you <laughs> kind of thing like it's the questions are great and his suggestions at least for the type of companies he advises i think are great it's like if you had to condense everything down into 10 minutes he's just like dispensing with all of the the sort of pleasantries subtleties all that yeah. normal social stuff that's
1: good they're b- boring anyway
0: yeah and especially if you're advising like 100 companies or whatever they were doing i have to imagine you you really need to do that you touched on this thing that i wanted to ask you about which is advice that's any good starts with like an hour of the advisor asking you questions about what your goals are yeah and did you come to that conclusion because you had bad advice in the past that wasn't tailored for you i'm
1: not sure how i came to that conclusion but I, i think it's more as i give
0: advice to others
1: i've realized that i'm speaking from my own experience and all those other things i just mentioned i don't have to repeat them and that that's not necessarily right for people. I also, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, had a presentation, you know, one of these uh, go to conferences presentation on this topic of advice and how to know if the advice is good, how to take advice. And I started with this premise, which I think is still true, which is if you find any advice whatsoever, I can find you someone else who's very smart and successful who will tell you to do the opposite. No matter what, anything, um, the thing about needs, you know being able to do it on the side, DHH says you can do it 10 hours on the side, even though that's not actually what they do with 37 singles, it turns out. But anyway, sales says so. You can find it. And he's smart and very successful. So what the hell? And then you can find many people saying, no, you have to work very hard. Easy to find both sides. You could find people that say, you have to be good at social media like Twitter. And other people that say, look, I built a million, a hundred million dollar bootstrap business without ever using social media. It's easy to find all those. So given that, what do you then do? Because that means none of the advice is necessarily the make or break. And probably it's not true either that like, well, that's because advice is just good and bad and you can't tell. Like probably all that advice is good for somebody and all of it is bad for somebody probably. So then it's not really about the advice, is it? (laughs) It's really about like, okay, so what? how do I know what's right for me? And so that's how I eventually got to this notion of it has to be tuned to your context, goals, et cetera, all those things we just said. Um, we can go into more detail on those things, I guess. And so then the advice giver is usually not introspective enough or conscientious enough to know that. Therefore, they're just giving advice. So therefore, that's not helpful. So the conscientious person knows this and therefore asks a bunch of questions. What are you trying to achieve? In what time frame do you care about money more than being at home? Do you care about... Um, changing the world? And if so, what does that even mean to you? Because um, it means very different things to different people, as it should, <laughs> right? And I mean, there's there's maybe 20 questions, uh, uh, big questions like that easily that you could ask to really understand what a person's trying to do and what their strengths are and what they should avoid and help they may need or things they should ignore. And then you start getting into, okay, here are some real options that address the situation you're in and are consistent with, Things you're actually trying to do. And now we're talk, Now we're into the realm of good advice, uh, or at least the chance of good advice. Right?
0: Yeah, it might still be bad.
1: Yeah, well, who knows? You can't run life twice, right? You can only run yeah. it once. Which is all just to say, don't obsess about the damn advice. Try to think for yourself. Yeah. Try to limit it to a couple of main things that you're going to decide based on. A couple of main ideas. And then move on. Because even if you have great advice from a really good advisor, it's still not – it's still maybe who knows. And I totally the exception is when it's very black and white stuff such as, hey, what's the employment law in Texas about X? Okay, now th- there's an answer. And so that's good. You can get an advisor that gives you the answer and that's a good thing. And if you learn that, then you have some experience you can bring forward good. So th- I mean there is such a thing as stuff that's just correct, but it's, very, it's few and far between and usually not the strategic important stuff.
0: I like this actually point here of even if the advice were perfect for you like amazing advice period and perfect for you even then that's not really enough like all you know is like a blueprint at this point but everything after this is execution which is the hard part and
1: and random and luck and stuff like maybe you say look there's these three options and you weigh it all and option a is the best way to reduce risk and increase upside and maybe let's just say for the sake of argument you could prove it even though you can't you prove it Right, but there's still a chance for upside and there's a chance for risk. And so even if it was the best bet, that doesn't mean it comes up right. You, you know, the best poker players clearly have skill. That's why they're always they're always at the last table because skill. But they don't always win because luck, <laughs> right? Like, so the same, same thing except uh, we have less skill and there's more
0: luck. Do you still advise people at Capital Factory?
1: Only like one or two because I don't have any time and I certainly haven't um, done any new investments in a long time. Because WP Engine is taken all the time, and I don't, I don't want to dilute time. And I, I am clear that I want to do WP Engine, and I want to be at home. And since I'm clear on those two things, I don't do other stuff. I used to have other hobbies, and I used to uh, mess with companies the Capital Factory more. And now I don't because I'm clear on that.
0: Does this position your philosophy on advice come from trying to advise other people on the regular?
1: Yes, especially in the early days of Capital Factory, which is sort of like Austin's version of what started out as Austin's version of Y Combinator. When both were small, when it was like a, a class of 5 or 10 for a summer, that's what we did too. Now Capital Factory is hundreds of companies. Some are co-working, some are inside of a funding program. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with it. Um, but early on, there were many startups that came through, some of which were in a program. So there were you know, kind of intense advisory and investment and others sort of just there. And so by observation, you can see some things. And just by talking to a lot of founders, you sort of get a certain sense of, Different kinds of personalities and what things, and you kind of see what things work. None of that's very scientific, obviously, but you do get a gut feel of stuff, and that's where this comes from. I don't have data that shows you should ask the following questions, right? This, this is <laughs> this is just experience and trying to formulate something,
0: right? And did you experience like finding your advice kind of out of joint with the people that you were talking to that made you realize like, oh, I'm not thinking enough about the context of these people I'm advising?
1: Yeah. So what would happen is you they would say, well, here's our situation. And let's say, let's say um, especially in the context of an incubator, you're usually talking about raising money because that's what incubators sort of gear you to, most of them, not all. A lot of times the idea wasn't very big or the traction wasn't very good. And the story wasn't really one that would excite an investor. And so I would say that. I'd say, look, you know, the, the, you're saying these things and, and investors turn off when you say that because, you know, whatever the reason is. You emphasize the team, but this team is not very investable because you don't have previous experience. Now, if you were just bootstrapping, who cares? Don't even have a team slide. In fact, don't have a slide. (laughs) Get back to work. What are you doing? (laughs) The very fact you're pitching means you're pitching to an investor. Like I don't know why else you'd pitch. And then this team slide is bad because um, these are not the qualities that an investor is looking for. But there are different qualities we can emphasize that are what the investor is looking for. And you could be more honest. Going back to what you just said about like appreciating being honest and straightforward. Just be honest and say, look, this isn't the normal team that you, that you see. So then how would you overcome that with an investor? If the team isn't normally investable because you don't have prior successes, blah, 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 what would you do? Well, you could say, well, we could prove that we are a learning machine. We could prove that every month we learn stuff, change it, and the business gets materially better. And we never stop doing that. In other words, we could overcome the fact that we don't have previous success to point at by saying we are such an engine for building a great company. We know how to do this, and then you just really emphasize it. Have proof points. Show, look, we we saw this, so we changed that, and then this was the result. We saw this other thing. We changed this, and this result was negative. So we did this, and then it was positive. And then, and like you tell these stories, and no one cares what your bio is because who cares? You're able to do this, and that's obvious. So let's de-emphasize the, the team and emphasize these other things. Now all this though is talking to someone in the sense that they want to go raise money, but then sometimes at the end of all that they go, but you know honestly, I don't care about impressing that person. And I'm like, well, what you don't? And they like, no. Why not? Because we don't I don't want to raise money. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Well then why are you in a pitch practice? <laughs> oh, they just said it would be good practice. <laughs> like, well, but see, so the whole thing is like, wait a minute, the goals were different. So none of this advice was any good.
0: Yeah. You just said something there I liked a lot, which is you characterize a company as a learning machine. Mm-hmm. I, I dig that a lot.
1: You're constantly failing. You're constantly not doing the right thing, and you have no resources at all. You don't have brand recognition. You don't have money. You don't have a big customer base to motivate. Your social media has four followers. Like, you don't have enough time. You have no nothing, (laughs) right? So one of the few things that you have when you're little is you can move really – you can change directions really fast because you don't have any of those things like customers – Um, You can make changes. You can change the product or the brand or how you sell or the pricing or what features are there or delete features. You have the ability to move really fast. So you should do that. Like you should use the advantage that you have that your bigger competitors cannot do. It's one of the few things you can do. Another one is being really human. Big company is a big company. Every time you call them, you get a different person. That's the nature of it. You're not when you're little. You should use that. You should be on the homepage and you should be on social and you, so that people have a personal connection. That doesn't scale. That's okay. Who cares? <laughs> a, maybe you never want to scale, so that's fine. Or B, you do, but like first you have to get to the point where scaling is a problem. So yeah. move like on ways that a big company cannot do. So these are the, some of the few advantages you have. So to me, like you must take advantage of them since you have so few advantages when, when small. Uh, you got it. Oh, yeah. So one of them is is this agility that you just mentioned, which is to learn fast and react to it. A big company can't, even if a big company learn fast, it can't react fast, and also it probably doesn't learn fast. And so, like so, so be a learning machine that's always getting better, and that is a good recipe for since you, well, most of what you're doing isn't quite right yet by definition.
0: Uh, you you touched on something that I that, that stands out to me a lot, which is embracing your humanity and your smallness. And and I've I've seen friends running like one-person businesses that talk about themselves as a we in their like marketing copy. And I, I know why you would do that. I, I understand the, the the feeling of smallness or insignificance. I think that would cause you to do that, but I I, I think we're on the same page that it's just it's you're abandoning something actually that's useful. So the 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 issue with that, and I've done it too, I did it at Smart Beer for sure. So it's not like I'm not guilty of these things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. um, the problem is that uh you cannot, in fact, act like a bigger company. You will not deliver like a larger company will deliver. And that will come out. And then it's embarrassing. Because then it's clear that you've kind of lied. The usual reason why you say we and, and like act like it's huge is like, but see, this way people will trust us and become customers of us. And what will happen is, though, they expect we to answer the phone and emails all the time. Because we is enough people to do that. And that when they do when they do talk to you, they talk to different people because there's we. They talk to the same person all the time. It's not we, it, and they detect that. So in other words, you're doing it to build trust, trust that you're big, but you've done exactly the opposite. You've destroyed trust because you lied, and it's going to come out um, you know, when they interact with you. How come you barely ever release features and barely answer the email? Well, because there's one of me. <laughs> now, on the other hand, if you're honest in the first place, there's one of me. People are actually happy with it. Why did the email takes so long? Because it's just me. Oh, cool! Like uh, yeah, it's it's it's, totally. it's just the reverse. It's like that's awesome. I'm so glad I'm supporting an independent person. That's badass. Exactly. Oh, the servers y- yeah, went down. Being... Like yeah, because it's just me. Like oh, that's okay, man. And that happened to us at WP Engine early on when our servers went down. They were like, hey, I know you're trying something brand new. That's really cool, man. Now, if our server, if one server out of seven thousand goes down, for you know four seconds there's a twitter's like hey what that's not what i'm paying for and they're not wrong it's just it's a totally different thing again take advantage of the thing you can take advantage of which is that is which is that uh humanity it's great and and you can't have servers up all the time when you're one person or whatever the equivalent is for your product right so don't set the expectation and then actually you get a lot of benefit of the doubt you want to raise prices at a big company there's a lot of well I don't you know i don't know like Why are you raising prices? Because uh, you just want to pad the bottom line or whatever. When you're one person and you send out that email going, hey, everybody, I'm just me. I'm just trying to make ends meet. I need to raise prices a little bit more so I can hire one person. What does everybody say? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Great.
0: Yeah. Uh, What? Great that I raise prices? You know, so, I mean, talk about an advantage. I'm trying to grow a baby company right now. And one of the first things we did was like slap a picture of me and my two co-founders on our landing page. And it's like, this is Ben, Spencer, and Joel. And we're trying to make this company happen. And like here we are, and here's our smiling faces. And like we're glad you care about this at all. Cause we're literally just three guys in Joel's second bedroom trying to make this thing work.
1: Right. It's great. And you get these loyal people because they're po- because by supporting you, they're kind of part of it. And they are.
0: Totally. Yeah. And like by podcasting about it and tweeting about it and sharing good and bad things, people like totally feel connected to the journey.
1: Yeah. Someday it's, it's it'll, it won't be there. Well, maybe not. Maybe it'll stay there forever. It'll be small. Like 37 signals have kept it forever. So I I, I don't want to say it will never, it will end. It may not end. But,
0: or maybe it will. It can end. It, that can happen. Oh, yeah. Sure is, sure. But you want to take advantage of it while you can. There's a, a bunch of great reasons to tell people, like, The behind the scenes stuff i think like i I, just philosophically i'm into that like i like to share the good and the bad and let people see what it's really like and it's it tends to i think people think of it as a cost but i think of it basically as a positive where it's like people get bought into the journey it becomes like a drama they're following along with and that just that only helps
1: and that they're even part of by supporting the business
0: i've literally had people reach out to me and be like i don't even think i need your product but i'd be happy to like send you like prepay you for something just to kind of support the effort see
1: yeah so cool You yeah, can't buy that. Like n- Google cannot spend any amount of money on ads to make that happen for Google. Right? <laughs> it's cool. Like you have <laughs> yeah. something Go- even Google can't do. That's amazing. So do it. <laughs> so don't hide behind a we where you just threw
0: away that advantage. You touched on something this concept in uh, your conversation with Justin that I liked a lot. Where you're saying when it comes to making decisions, I really like uh, filters. As in, like you just you decide a thing, and that lets you eliminate a whole class of decisions. Do you have any like favorite filters that you apply right now these days or in the past? It depends a lot
1: on the decision, like a hiring decision, um, product strategy decision. Um, should you move? <laughs> like th- there, there's pretty different filters you would then apply for those things. So, I, I don't know about favorite filters, but but I would say um, you can't have too many, which is nice. Like you can have too many priorities well, this is important, and so is this, and so is this, and so is this. And then you can't really make a decision because these options are going to have different peaks of what things they're good at and what they're not, and then you're confused. So more priorities, identifying more important things, does not it actually makes it harder to make the decision. Filters, um, which are thresholds or negatives, um, make it easier because they cut out things um, until there's not many options left, which is good because that's helping you focus on making... A decision so you can't have too many so that's good you can have 20 it's all right but so so like if you're hiring for someone are there some based on culture others based on things that they've accomplished or um things that other people say about them when you go around like there's there's a lot of things you could sort of
0: pile on there that you're Hmm. you know i I feel like you've you've kind of touched on one possibly oh this is i'm not sure this is exactly a filter but like you you said earlier i do two things Like, I've decided that my life has space for two. Home and WP Engine are them. Therefore, I have a filter and I I know I don't need to go work at Capital Factory right now. That's right. (laughs) Yes,
1: constraints are useful for, I mean, making decisions. And, you know, especially bootstrapped entrepreneurs don't like constraints. That's the whole idea. I don't want a job. I don't want this. I could be my own boss and do whatever I want. And then, of course, you realize very quickly, like, this doesn't feel like doing anything I want. This feels like I'm being crushed all the time about to die. This does not feel like freedom at all. And then you say things like, but at least it's mine, which is true, but you're still being crushed. And then later on, it's still crushing. Cause like, you know, you have employees and you really feel like you, you, uh, you're still serving them. They're all people that either have expectations or, you know, you don't, you want, you want to provide for them and so forth. And so, It's still crushing, and so are the customers because they give you money, and of course, you're trying to make them happy. Like, this whole thing of you don't have a boss, in a sense, it's like, no, kind of everything is a constraint and coming back on you. It's just not exactly what you thought it was. You know, sometimes these things sound so trite. There are two things, or, you know, you can, like Peter Thiel says, you can only focus on one thing at a time, or whatever, you know, all these little rules. And like, uh, now they're probably all sort of uh, extreme in a way that makes them a bit ridiculous. The reason why they're kind of useful anyway is exactly that it reduces options. And that is good because... You sit there and you look at the blank screen and think, what should I do? What should I work on? Should I write another blog post? Should I write this feature? Which feature should I do? Constraints, like let's say you arbitrarily said, uh, here's my schedule for the day. From mm to mm, I write code and then from here to here I do this. Like, well, you don't have to restrain yourself like that. You are you can do anything you want with the whole day. Yeah, I know. But if I do that, it'll make sure that I'll do some of this and some of that. And, I, and overall, globally, I want to do that. So although it's artificial, I'm going to do it anyway. Same thing with a diet. Which diet is right? I don't know. Haven't we learned that that's not just not the right question anymore? But it's also probably true that just anything that says, well, you can have this but not this and it's sort of arbitrary, whatever. Yeah, but if that just means you eat less and more healthily, it's probably good. (laughs) Right? So yes, but the constraint is helpful because it helps you make a decision and stop thinking about it. And whatever it is is probably okay. I feel that way about a lot of frameworks in business. This is a framework for product strategy. Here's another framework for figuring out how to do... Like, it's not really about what's the best framework or proving that this framework is right. Or There's four things that this car... Well, not three, not five. Sure, maybe. Like, it's not really about the... It's just having any framework just kind of stops a certain part of the conversation. You start filling in boxes instead of being stuck with too many ways to think about it. And that's why it's helpful. And so... I do like frameworks and I do like some of these sort of truly arbitrary rules that self-impose arbitrary rules. I like that because it just lets you
0: get to some answers. Yeah. And and get to work. Get to work. Yeah. Stop the planning phase. There's a part I want to quote from a blog post you wrote, which is kind of getting a little bit back to this advice, uh, like what's, what's good advice and how do you recognize it and all that. And I'm going to quote you, which says, as you accumulate a set of principles that you have a lot of energy for. You throw yourself into it and run to the extreme. Doing that is perhaps one of the truly universal rules of success: that you are all in. Applying an extreme amount of energy is more important than exactly which path you're taking. Yeah, I that love sounds that. Really good, like crazy. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. You could print that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's a,
1: there's a funny um, there's a funny story about there's a there's a mathematician named Littlewood uh, in 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 the in the UK. Uh, this is probably late 1800s or so and uh he was proofreading a manuscript by somebody else and there was this quote in there and it wasn't attributed to anybody and he and he made a note in the margin that says this quote is amazing i wish i had said it and in the final version it said <laughs> it attributed it to littlewood he had said it and forgot <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> anyway so i feel like that with the old blog post like oh that's pretty good totally <laughs> yeah I've, I come it, I've had the same experience it's better than i come up with now Doing it so I don't like the whole follow your passion. That's that's crap. Like I'm, you know, you can be passionate about it stuff and chess, and that doesn't mean you should make a company doing chess. I think that's silly. But I do believe in there's things where you do naturally throw yourself into it, and it it doesn't have to be a topic like chess. It can be uh, designing things, or writing prose, or writing code, or whatever, whatever kind of cre- creation thing that you that you like. Clearly, if you're in your zone, if you're in the flow and you have energy for it many hours a day, not because you have to and you're not upset after, but because you love it and, you, and time flies by and you don't realize and you forgot to pee and all that, that's the good kind of, of all in. It's clear that being in that is, is more productive and fulfilling, both. So, and of course, you can't be in there all the time. But seeking things where that can happen, that, that's just logical. And, and exactly to this point of you don't know what advice is right. Actually, there's probably many paths to success and failure. Therefore, pick the ones that more naturally fit you. Because whatever that is, at least you'll maximize whatever that option was. And even if you make some math that says that some other option was better. But what if you can't execute that better? Then it's still not better. So so going back to that notion of what you what drives you in that way. That helps you say, look, even if it's a second best option in some objective sense, it may be first best in terms of your ability to execute. And that's a, that's a way to ask, what can I execute well? The trap is, um, especially when you're a founder, because that means you don't have a boss telling you what to do or, or holding you accountable. The trap is that you do the thing that you love, the flow thing, and not do the thing the business needs you to do. So if you're an engineer, the classic version is, I will add another feature today when what you probably need to do is double the amount of traffic coming to the website because you don't have enough sales. Almost always the problem with any company is not enough sales. And I'm not saying that because VCs and growth, I'm talking about bootstrap companies, blah, blah, blah. Like probably the most impactful thing you could ever do is increase sales 10%. If you could add one feature and increase and double sales, then friggin' add that feature. But I'll bet you that one feature won't double sales. But there's other things you could do that actually might. And so there's no doubt that it's better for the health of the business to double sales in the next, say, one to three months than to add the feature that doesn't double sales. But you love adding the feature and you know which feature to add. And you will have customers that will genuinely be delighted to have that feature. Those are all true. Therefore, you do it instead of doing the thing you need to do. And since there's no one telling you what to do, you know, the trap is to do the flow thing instead of the thing that must be done or should be done instead.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But it's way less scary to add the feature. I already know how to do it exactly,
1: and that's why we, we, you know, we're the world is littered with sort of version 1.2 products that no one buys, or not enough people buy. Here's another way to look at it: Look at all the risks in a business. Again, bootstrap. Forget forget the VC crap. Just bootstrap business. What are all the risks? Can I get enough customers? Will they pay the price that I need them to pay? Will they stay around if it's recurring revenue business long enough for that to work? Can I do the tech support? Um, can I make an ad where they can tell in a fraction of a second, this is for me because that has to be pretty compelling and use exactly the right words because it's in the middle of all those other ads. It's same thing with your homepage or landing page, because same thing, they land on it and you get one second they better go, whoa, nice. That's a very difficult reaction to create somebody in one second. You, can you do that? Can you cheaply enough acquire those eyeballs to go say those, that thing to then come in? There's lots and lots of questions. All of these have to be more or less in the affirmative for the business to work. And I still didn't say features yet. So here's the one thing I know for sure: and en- a good engineer can do. I know for sure that engineer can build the features. There's actually very little risk of building the features. But will that same engineer be able to do everything else I said? Almost for sure not. That's where all the risk is. Zero risk in building, um, now I'm exaggerating, zero risk in building the software, 100% risk in all the other things a business requires to exist. So what do we spend our time on? (laughs) The thing that has no risk at all because we understand it. The reason it has no risk is because we know how to do it. That's why it's not risky. So a good rule of thumb is to keep in mind like the one or two things a business really, uh, how the business really needs to change. It's probably more sales and that's it. But it could be other things. But It's probably more sales. And then ask, the things I'm doing today, is it is it, is it causing that thing to increase? And if the answer is no, it's a problem. Now, of course, that's a rule of thumb because you have to do your taxes and that doesn't make revenue up. And of course, you have to do it, right? So, uh, no kidding. There's stuff you have to do. And of course, you need to make features because... Actually, that is tied to revenue because if it doesn't do enough, then they won't buy it or they won't stay or whatever. So that is true. Maybe you have huge cancellations due to lacking three features. That is a good reason to go to the features because it's for growth. Now we're talking. You're getting people in the door, but then they're leaving. Fix the reason why they're leaving. Oh, now, that's, now we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Why, why get even more people in the door if they're just going to leave? Good point. So that would be a, that would be a reason to do features um, in order to grow. Good good point. But usually we're simply avoiding the things that need to be de-risked and need to be addressed. Um, and so keeping keeping in mind what is the number one, maybe two, like real actual business priorities that you have to um, that you need to be pushing forward and making sure what you're doing is actually doing that.
0: I'm probably your target market in that rant right there. So I'm a technical person. I know how to write code pretty well, but I'm in the CEO role for this. And I'm on, I'm on sales and marketing duty and trying to make sure that sales actually happen. Assuming that I've, I've drunk the Kool-Aid, which I have, I agree. I shouldn't be writing code. That's not going to help the business that much. And I want to get better at this stuff in a hurry. Is there anything beyond just like build the learning machine, try to get awesome, pay attention to what works, try lots of stuff, see what works for you? Is it like everything else where you just learn it by doing and trying to figure it out?
1: Well... Um One is to get help from people who have done it and are good at it. Help could mean advisors, but not advisors in general, advisors just on this topic. Um, Sometimes you pay people for that, sometimes you don't. Help could mean, yeah, learning really fast, just deciding, like, I need to be an expert in some of this stuff in three months. And uh, that means I can't be an expert in all of it, because that's just ridiculous to say I can be an expert in all of it in three months. So I got to pick something to become an expert in. So what am I going to pick? Well, what are these things might be, might move the needle on the business again? Probably new customers or something like this, um, um and also seem tractable. Like build a whole sales force. Well, that doesn't even make sense. I don't, you know, I, we can't even hire. We don't have money to do that. So like, that's not even on the table. So stop. So maybe not sales. Um, or maybe it's it's a uh, self fulfilling sales, or maybe it's building an email list, or maybe it's. I need to get one paid marketing channel to work. doesn't matter which one, but like one of them has to work. So I'm just going to, I have to go ape and do nothing but live in paid uh, marketing places doing experiments and blah, 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 trying to make one work. Because if I can unlock one, then we can pour money into the one because we can afford to because it's working. And then once that's established, then you could take a breath and ask, what's next? Do I try to find another one? Maybe it is time for sales. Maybe I can hire someone at this point. Maybe hire someone part-time. I don't know, but I have a few options once I have one working. So just getting one working really well, that's my goal. And I'm going to define really well as it's pulling in uh, – it, it, it's creating you know, 5K of MRR per month or, I don't know, just make up a, a threshold that says that's really doing something. Um, so, yeah, just trying to focus down on one thing, and then there's probably a few options of how to get there. At, at WP Engine um, – There were some things like AdWords where I was able to find. There's, there's, there's sometimes consultants who will work on. It pro bono is not quite the right word, but like on a on a performance contingency. So like, if you don't get at least this much, you know the cost per conversion has to be at least X, or else you know I don't pay you, or I pay you some minimum amount. On the other hand, if you blow it out of the water, you can make a bunch of money, like that kind of stuff. So that can work sometimes for a bootstrap company. It was like, yeah. if it fails, I can afford it. And if it doesn't fail, then I will have unlocked something that I can afford to pay for. And then I can you know, revisit at the end of that contract period what to actually do to make it sustainable. So I did that at WPensions. That's possible. Same kind of thing with, uh, well, really any paid stuff. It could be AdWords. It could be other channels. It could be um, affiliates Is another whole universe. That's a whole different sort of a, of a thing. Um, it could be email marketing, although I think that's more of a longer term play like content marketing is where you can't just do it and get a return. You have to do it and and, and work it. And so it's strategic, but it may not be fast. And that might be OK. Might, you might be all right with strategic and slow. We're um, already doing content marketing, which is that. So maybe it's OK. Or you might say, look, I am already doing stuff that's strategic and slow. I need some things that are not slow. I need some things mm. where I pay a dollar and get a customer this month. So that's yeah, what I yeah. need to
0: focus on, right? Can I describe where we're at and just have you like ask me questions slash do a health check? I'm like, I'm at the doctor's and you're just like, let's check this and make sure this is okay. All right. All right. So we started this company back in May. It's me and two co-founders. We're all technical. It's called Tuple. And our goal is to build an app that lets you do remote pair programming. So two people on one computer writing code together. We think all the solutions out there are pretty crappy because you need to make something that's really, really fast, screamingly fast. And the existing things out there have too much latency and people don't like them. I started off by doing pre-sales. So I reached out to a bunch of people. I have a bit of an audience. I came to this with an audience, which is nice. I've been working in public for a long time. So I had a bit of a Twitter following and some email people and a podcast. And through that, I started getting people on on an email list and actually populated a paid alpha. So I pre-sold about um, $8,000 worth of people on that. Uh, so we have a handful of teams and a handful of individuals who have said, yeah, I want to try it. I want to be your first customers. We're hoping to launch that alpha early next year, um, get the first people in there. We have a bit of a like minimal viable versus uh, smallest lovable product thing where if our whole our whole pitch is like it's, got, it's going to be really fast and we know that's the most important thing, but it's, hard, it's really hard to make it really fast. So we're like, we're kind of racing the clock to make it fast enough by the time that we want to hit. Do You have to use if a certain can-
1: IDE? Like it integrates with something?
0: No, it's a desktop app, so it could be anything. So you can use your terminal, your IDE, whatever you want. So is it, is it
1: like desktop sharing, but you're super smart about diffs, sending the, the, diffs and incre- and compressing that and I don't know, things?
0: That's right. Yep. And like really good keyboard support and dual mouse and also pairing specific features. Like I can send you a link and it auto opens in your browser so we can look at the same Stack Overflow article really easily kind of thing. <laughs> that's nice. The interest is great. We got th- like 3,000 people plus on our email list. Um, people are asking me pretty frequently to get into the next alpha beta like i'm telling people no and they're like no please i really want to so like the the market feels very there where people are dissatisfied by the existing tools um we we are we've, we've promised a lot and it's a kind of a hard thing to deliver so that's like one of my concerns is like we, it's i think we eventually will have a great product that will deliver on these things that we're saying but to do it fast is hard so we're kind of in this thing where it's like, we should get something out there and get the feedback, but also like, it's going to, it's going to take a while to get it to where we want to be, of course. Uh, so we have this sort of push pull going on. So first
1: of all, uh, I'm kind of hung up on this thing of like, uh, if it's not really, really, really good, then the business isn't going to work. I do see that in the long run. Like, why would someone love, like, not just like, but love the tool, like latency that's so low that you don't even know what's going on. It, Totally is that, especially with developers. So, like, well, how does it work? Mean? You know, like I get it. That's I totally agree. But this whole thing of like, well, we launched in May, except it's still an alpha, and we're as far. Away. It's still going to be hard to get the stuff we want, and yet everyone's asking for it. So to me, that sounds like a contradiction. You're saying that customers are saying I want to pair program with it, and you're saying no, you don't understand. No, you don't because not. <laughs> it's not a little bit faster. So you know, one thing to consider is uh, they may be wrong because like you said, you may be promised a certain thing and that's what they're thinking and they won't get it and they'll be upset. So they may be incorrect, (laughs) but what if they're correct? What if they don't, what if you're right about the, in the long run about having the best product, but what if you're wrong about what people will pay for today, pay for now? So for example, um, if I'm used to a workplace that has pair programming and On the other hand, the engineers in the building say, we'd really like to work from home sometimes, but there's no way to make those two things work. Pair programming and working from home is hard to do simultaneously. So here's Tuple, a way to do that. And they're like, oh my God, I could transform the way that I work. Except you're saying because the latency is 100 milliseconds, not 50 milliseconds, I'm not allowed to do that. Dude, I will take a slightly higher latency so I can work from home. Do you understand the transformation? That is. The difference between not having tuple at all and having a slower than it will be tuple changes my life. And the other part makes me go from tuple is required to, and also I love it even more. Why would you stop one until you have the other? Bad. No, no, no. Let them do it. So I don't know which one's right because you know maybe you're right. Like The experience is so bad right now that actually... Uh, they would be disappointed. I don't know. But my guess is um, usually creators are extremely self-critical. Mm,
0: yeah.
1: If it's not all Guilty the things sure. that you imagine, it's just not good enough. And you're, in fact, not, you're not even proud of it. And you, and you certainly feel bad charging money for it because it's not that good. Um, but this is the wrong mentality for a, a, a new product. It's the right mentality for an immature product and maybe even a mature company who can't really have a crappy product because it would be – like Apple has to make a product that's all the way done even if it's new because it would be contra brand otherwise. Fine, but none of these things are relevant (laughs) to you or me for that matter, right? There are those phrases like if you're not embarrassed by your first version, then you release too late and all that kind of stuff. And you know that because you said SLP and all that stuff. So you know all that. But still, maybe you're doing it anyways, Maybe allowing uh, all those people to do it and charging them for it even is would work, and they would say yes. And then look, your company would have a lot more revenue, which would be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would help you do everything. Okay. Revenue solves all problems. Um, and so, yeah. you know, maybe maybe they're wrong because they don't understand how bad the experience is. But maybe they're right. Maybe they don't even need link sharing. Maybe you know, maybe there are certain use cases like the one I just mentioned. But there's probably, I'm sure, there's other more common ones where. No you don't understand they have no, they have zero. You help them go from zero to something and that's huge and they'll pay for it already. Then you can go file the edges so you can charge more or they can be more thrilled and tell their friends cuz it's that good. Yeah, then. But going from zero to something could change a lot of a lot of people. So when is that when is remote workers just in general like companies that have remote remote at all? Also I would I would ask like who who, what kinds of organizations are obsessed with pair programming at all, like whether or not it's remote? Um, so like if I'm an extreme programming organization, then I have to. I doubt there's very many of those, but just, you know, whoever, whatever it is, you know, maybe some famously are. If I'm just obsessed with pairing at all, I might need this. I mean, who knows? Like who knows what the use cases are? Even if I'm in the same office, it might still be, there might still be a reason why we don't, but like, like it's actually nice not to sit next to each other for some reason. Um, you know, even we we only have 610 total people and we have engineering on three different floors right now. So we have pairing rooms, but sometimes they're full. So like, even if everyone's in the building, you might need this. I don't know. So I, I don't know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't arbitrarily restrict those use cases. Maybe someone would, would pay for it. So I think it's good to maintain that uh, high standard for what you think is good. That's good. but it's bad if it means like i feel bad about charging or i'm not sure if i like then it's bad
0: yeah okay So like one of my options is like just keep going full speed ahead on the sales we could almost certainly close more people like there are people that want to sign up to like pay to be in the beta that launches at some unknown date in the future like am i crazy to not keep doing that well why would you not take their money I guess, for, I guess for focus, because we're sort of at the point where it's like we have like the cash in the bank is not is like useful, but we're not hurting for it. And so like me doing like product management, for example, and like testing the, the app out with people and things like that is is seemingly more useful right now.
1: Well, uh, putting money in the bank is one utility of revenue, but not the only one. Hmm. It's a commitment by the and a, and a signal by that customer. Mm hmm and that is valuable yeah and, and by the way if someone right now would pay to use it because they why would you stop them from that because you
0: need to ask them more product management questions no one's paying to use it yet because no one has it why? so people are like paying to eventually use it well why don't they have it and so you launched in uh, may you said so why don't they have no, 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 it? no no we st- we started working so you started, in may okay so it's not the product is not launched yeah okay So, yeah, and no one's using it because it's not, it's not ready enough, I guess.
1: Uh, I wonder. You don't buy it? I wonder. Yeah. Just the fact that you're obsessed about a, a link pasting opening in a browser, it's like, <laughs> again, I go back to like, you are preventing me from switching my work style, from having to commute to the office, from being able mm-hmm. to work from home. And because you want to add some link browser crap, you're stopping me from doing that. Hmm. I mean, I have Slack. I can send someone a link. It's really not hard to send a link. That's not why I need your tool.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess my concern is there are other things out there that do similar things, and we want to make our like we think the thing the value we can add is to be faster and better than those things. So and why so if do people want to give you that, money now? Why don't they just go use the other thing? Because they don't like them. Okay. So, but like i don't want to be like the next thing they don't like like i'm you know like i'm just sensitive to this idea of like so like i've seen this happen to other tools in our space like someone goes yeah we tried x it sucked we're not into it and like they tried it six months ago and like that they just don't get another shot at trying it again because they tried it six months ago and it sucked so they're like well screw that tool and i just don't i'm 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 wary about getting that rep or like just like being like no no it's going to be really good i promise trust us they're like no no we're, we've moved on to other things goodbye
1: that's interesting. So why do all the other tools suck? Because they can't get it fast enough?
0: Uh, I mean, the biggest reason is it's a hard problem to solve, period. So you have to really care about this particular use case, and almost no one does. Like Most people want to build generic screen sharing and maybe remote control, and they don't think about low latency and programmers and uh, the kind of, that kind of crap.
1: So what is the typical use case? What, why do people
0: need this? I think the best use case is you have a distributed development team. And you want to collaborate. It's easy to feel super isolated and get knowledge silos and all that, particularly when you're remote. And so it's nice if you can pair program anyway, even though you're home.
1: And so you're saying, look, they could get on Slack video or Hangouts now. And then mm-hmm. the problem is that it's it's high latency and other other things. Yep. So if you give them a product that also has high latency, even though it's quote unquote for developers, they're like, whatever, I have Hangouts and it doesn't work. Right. Yep. Um, so you want to wait till it's better than Hangouts.
0: Yeah, that's my thought
1: how long do you think it'll take before it's better than hangouts that the three guys who are good at engineering will beat google at at uh, desktop sharing <laughs>
0: um great question i don't know like it's that's it's tough to say like we we are making steady progress the numbers get better every week but like i said it's it's a hard problem it's, it's cool. hard to predict one another interesting thing. Enough,
1: your audience is devs and that's great and bad the bad thing is they all know they all want to tell you like You should add this feature and it'll be easy. And they have some reason in their own mind why it's easy and they're probably wrong. The good news is they're devs and so they geek out about the same kind of things. And they understand what alpha means. (laughs) They understand a graph that shows latency and how it improves over time and how that might imply that in the future it can continue to improve. I remember at SmartBear, of course, we also sold to developers only. And that was really helpful. When there was a bug, we could say, we could actually explain why it was a bug. And a lot of times they were like, "Wow, yeah, no, I totally see why, why that would be a bug," and uh, right, and, and like in a way that you could never do to another type of customer. And you really got this totally. like, uh, not benefit of the doubt, but you got this understanding that was really yep. really cool. Um, same with features; we really want this feature, and then you could you could really geek out in crazy detail about why it's hard or why yeah. well, but in these cases it doesn't really work, and we're not sure how to solve that, and so and they're like, ah. Yeah, I see that. Dang, yeah. And like, wow, I just like said no to a customer feature and uh, they understood. What the hell? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So with that yeah.
1: spirit that you can, if you communicate about the geeky stuff, they actually typically come along. If you publish wait, what if you publish the latency chart week by yeah. week? And so That's you're exactly like, look, we're do. entering alpha and I'm telling you right now, it's not good enough because here's our chart and here's the line of what good enough looks like. Mm-hmm. And look, see how we're not there? <laughs> yeah Yeah. (laughs) see that (laughs) right like i'm telling you right now it's not good enough but look at our trajectory so if you want to you can start using a tool that we know is not good enough but might be enough to get the job done better than not having it Mm -hmm. and you can follow along
0: yeah i like that that's like the i we thing where it's just like yeah it's just us it's sort of the same idea it's like look we're being honest with you we're not trying to pretend we're bigger or better than we are it's like this is where it's at This is like, this is reality.
1: It is. And, but I guess what I'm doing is trying to tap into the, the, what you said, which is it isn't good enough. And so you get this reputation of this tool sucks and I'm not trying it again. So how could you Hmm. dispel this notion of the tool sucks today? And so it will always suck, which I a hundred percent agree with you about that, that people do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one way would be if you were crazy about this graph, like what if it's so crazy that when you install it and it comes up, it says, Hey, all This is our graph, like in the tool, like not at the blog, mm. but in the tool. So that when mm-hmm. you run the tool, you are, you cannot escape the fact that you know it's not fast enough, and it, but you're working on it mm. and it's improving. So hang in there. Mm. And mm. if it weren't a dev audience, you're probably still screwed. Like, what are you even, what is this? <laughs> but with mm-hmm. a dev audience, you can geek out about this crap. Learn mm-hmm. more about how hard latency is. Click. Here come mm-hmm. a bunch of tech articles you wrote about, totally. well, even measuring latency is hard. Is it the 99th percentile? Uh, Maybe, you know, is median right? Not really, but there's this other way. Because when you're really using it, um, if it hiccups every five minutes but otherwise is clean, that actually is good. Um, whereas if the average is a little higher and it never hiccups, it's actually bad. Exactly the opposite is true in audio, and that's why all that shit's wrong when it comes to us. Blah, blah, I just made all that up. I don't even know if that's true. But like, just geek <laughs> yeah. out about like this is what even latency means and how we think yeah. about it and measure it and all these algorithms. And then so because of the way we define it, comma, we have these like – here's a little test harnesses we use to, to like micro – Uh, test some of these things because of this macro thing of course the only the macro matters and in the end and and you don't want to pre-optimize but blah 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 blah. you do that and they see that graph and it's not fast enough but they know that now do they stick around i don't know but it's better bet and if you can get that revenue going because revenue is this it's a commitment they're part of it they're loyal they'll talk to you about stuff maybe they'll talk now but it's different when they're really using it then then you're getting real product feedback right maybe they share it with others maybe they share the articles about the latency cuz everyone you know we all like to geek out on stuff like that that doesn't mean you release it now but like I, there's got to be ways to say well i'm worried like you just did i'm worried that i'm worried about x i'm worried that it's not good enough and we'll get a reputation it's like well what if it's not good enough but you actually have the reputation of being super awesome geeks as opposed to the reputation of being slow, even though it's the same product mm-hmm. because of how mm-hmm. you yeah. show it, right? Huh. Um, now, on the one hand, you've just set yourself up. If you can't get it there, sure. but you just told me if you can't get it there, it's done if, anyway.
0: Right, yeah, we're screwed either way. <laughs> yeah, screwed or, it screwed anyway. anyway. Get it there, yeah.
1: Now, the yeah. real ultimate thing would be to say, so this whole thing about latency and measuring it, could that become an open source package that people contribute to? The part where you measure it. Conversely, what about all this video codec or whatever the hell you're doing for all that part? Can that be an open source thing that people can contribute to? So when people say it's not fast enough, you can say, "Well, g- jump in the codec and see if you can make it faster against these yeah, benchmarks." Welcome, jerk. Yeah, run the Docker container with the with the integration test and see if uh, you can make it faster. And it's silently yeah. it's a contest. Now I'm not. Now that's a lot of work to go do and run and every, so I'm not. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a good idea. But in, I'm, what I am doing is trying to say like how. Uh, How creative can you get in in engaging Mm -hmm. what you have, which is a very specialized audience, which is other developers? That's really – that's not the normal customer. You can throw away a lot of the normal customer playbooks. Mm -hmm. You can talk about all kinds of weird stuff. In fact, it's better. (laughs) It's better. Totally, A developer would rather buy from a geeky developer who's – why do people buy Marco's podcast crap? Because it's Marco. And he geeks out about microphones. That's why, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. this works, <laughs> this works. Mm-hmm. So totally. geek out about the damn thing. And uh, I'm sure his software wasn't so good at first, but everyone knows Marco's going to obsess over everything and it's going to be better. You can win that. You have a platform and things like the podcasts and blogging and the email list and stuff, reputation, you have a platform in which you can do that. Great, take advantage of it, do it. Take advantage of the, of the weirdness of your audience. Um, mm-hmm. I would say- hmm. I like that a lot. Now, open sourcing is is that's a whole other thing. Like, what if no one contributes? Are you managing pull requests, which is now more work? Just making it open source is kind of you got to pull it out and I don't know, do things and document stuff in a way that you don't need to do now, and that's just time. Um, what if you don't want to accept someone's pull request? Now that's a thing. Um, people use it for d- purposes other than yours, so they want to make other changes. That don't really make sense for you. Do you do that anyway because it's open source? So like. Pro, unless you're super into open source, in which case maybe it's worth it because personally you want to have open source stuff, then awesome. If not, probably it's too much work. Another thing, and we think about this at WP Engine too, because we do release open store, uh, stuff as open source uh, on purpose. One of the things we think of is, you know, whenever someone looks at our open sourced item, they will judge our engineering prowess based on that code. So even if this, the whole point of this was it was a works product that's not at the normal standard that we use nevertheless we will be judged on that standard so even though it's on the side we actually have to make it really really good in terms of everything quality and tests and documentation and you know CICD and whatever because we'll be judged and actually so it turns into a whole lot of work because <laughs> because we'll be judged and we want to be judged well so uh, again maybe not a great uh, idea this at this stage for those reasons but it's kind of fun to talk it through anyway because it's a possibility I guess
0: mm-hmm the thing I like about this advice is that it energizes me and it feels like authentic to me where it's like, I'm being honest with you. I'm not saying like, here's the alpha version. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, here's the alpha version. It's not fast enough, but yeah. like, don't worry. Like we're working on it. We're going to get it. Well, what if you got a tool like
1: that and it said, hey, it's not good enough. I bet you'd use it and go, you know, it's Okay. Hey, if you're gonna make it even better great like again it's just like we said at the top of the podcast you've just anchored it as like i know it's not good enough that actually could be good people say oh it's pretty good you know (laughs) if this is going to get better then okay i'll come along for the ride but it's fine you know i like the link thing or whatever you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i also feel like it would make like that honesty would make me want to help improve it right i'd be like you're you're right It, it does have some rough edges you think about this thing i noticed this one little bug over here like maybe take care of that one that might be good yeah and what if you do, and the latency is still not
1: better yet? Will I come along for the ride on the latency, given that you're honest about it and you're doing other things that I do want? Maybe, mm-hmm. like maybe that yeah. relationship's good enough,
0: right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Just think, think of it
1: yourself. If you got a tool like that, how would you react to that? Right. Totally. Which is not yep. which is not a great question actually, because you're not like your customers at all. They they have jobs and they write code. <laughs> so yeah. like you're not actually like your customers. So that's not a really good question.
0: <laughs> they have jobs that they rec- I like that, yeah. And income and uh, you know yeah. an office. What what is that yeah. for? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I like that. Anything else jump out to you or to each wrap it?
1: Um I, one other thing about dev tools, again, having having um bootstrapped a company that sold dev tools, I think in general it's it's fun to sell to devs for the reasons we just said. When it comes to the money and the getting money. It's actually kind of mm-hmm. hard. Like people mm-hmm. that type code into computers generally don't have a budget. Mm-hmm. There is really? a budget, yeah. There's a budget somewhere, but they don't personally control it. Sure, right? The they don't have to go end, ask the, the front right? line developer. Yeah, yeah. They have to go ask, and it's it can be hard to get um, on the radar of that other person because that other person who does have the budget they have lots of concerns and worries and things. It's hard for like some random tool for something to. Sort of get on the docket. Um, I find it's different for different size companies. The smaller the company, of course, the easier it is for someone to whip out a credit card. And it's fine. And the bigger the company, um, once they decide to pay, you're on there forever. Because now it's a tool in the tool belt. And they sort of have to pay because it's like in the list. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's great. It just takes Mm -hmm. a little bit more effort to get in the list. Um, Yeah. I'm going through that right now. Yeah. And there, it's helpful if there's more than one team. Even better is like multiple business units, but just more than one team. So in other words, if it's just one team out of 20 teams and that team wants it, that is very hard to get the senior director of whatever it is to like, even pay attention to the thing. But if there's like two different teams, then it's different. It's like, you know, we tried and liked it. Someone else in the office tried the totally different team, tried it. They like it. You know what? Maybe we should just standardize on this. Let's just buy this. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different thing. Uh, it becomes a thing that we that we do as in our processes as an R and D department or whatever. It becomes a different thing, and it's right. a much bigger sale too. Like there's more seats. That's good. So, mm-hmm. um, so t- typically, like that helps get over the line on those bigger organizations with dev tools. Even though, of course, it's, it takes more time, it's more work. But the you know the, it can be ten or even a hundred times more revenue per customer meaning meaning company or organization. So okay, so maybe that that that's worth it. You know that that timeline's <laughs> worth it for that. Of mm-hmm. course, this could be a viral tool in the real sense of the word viral. Two people yeah. use it, then a third person wants to use it for fourth, so they get in. So I think it would be very good if the business model maybe – and you probably already did this, but the business model allowed these incremental ads like just, just throw someone in and later we'll come back to your boss. And they won't have a choice because she'll mm-hmm. look at it and say, what the hell is this? And you say, well, 10 people are using it. Wait – 11 people are using it and she'll go, oh, damn it. What do I have to do? And you're like, well, you buy the license that lets us use it up to 20 times and we'll come back to you mm. if more than that use it. And she goes, ah, well, either I have to go and tell everyone to stop using it or I pay. So that's mm. almost for sure the right way to go is to do is to make it viral that way.
0: So one thing that we had thought about doing is make it so that in a call, in a given pairing session between two people, only one person needs to be paid. So it's like, if you buy it, if you buy it, you can use it with your friends and then you, but your friends can't use it with somebody else. And, the that thing is, you want the together. friends to
1: use it for somebody else too. Like that's how viral works. Like you've you've mm. skipped the part where someone's infected.
0: Hmm. Right.
1: That's interesting. So another way is kind of th- there are other tools which come behind like Slack, like Asana, etc. And, and I pick those because those are other tools which are viral and work well in the inter- in the uh, business world. And are viral, which is very different than consumer and viral, which is obviously isn't. But the business world viral are certain companies. And so what they'll do is they'll say like, well, we're never going to stop someone from making an account and using it. Because if they're made an account and they don't use it, it's hard to go to the boss and ask for the money. But if you make an account and use it, then the conversation with 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 the person with the budget is you have 11 active users. So we need to settle up. See, that, see how different that is? in like 11 people logged in this one time. No. That, <laughs> okay, well, they don't need to log in anymore. <laughs> That's the answer. 11 people are using it and it's growing. And actually, uh, we're behind on licenses because you only bought five or zero. <laughs> so we kind of need to true up. Like we, we don't need to go back in time. None of that kind of stuff. It's fine. It's fine. We, you know, we, we're happy to be generous about mm-hmm. that. It's not, that's not the point. But we do need to true up. Let's just go ahead and get you on the 20 pack so that we don't, you know, let's just get you trued up there. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and, and then uh, we can go back to sleep. So it's a totally different thing when they're actually using it than when mm. they're not actually using it. So I think you'd, I think they'd, it'd be better if they were in the system actually using it, and then you can have the payment argument.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to think about how to How that would work?
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily easy to design, but these are fundamental business model things that could really, really change the trajectory of the thing. So, unlike a Slack, like Slack is often used for people that are not at the same organization. So that's that's an interesting way that it it becomes viral. But pair programming is probably with people in the same organization so it colors the way you Probably, think about what yeah. viral means so it could be yeah. you know when the first person in the org signs up they kind of establish this company object as it were and then things can slide in there and why would you do that because you don't pay for it because it just works otherwise you have to pay or i don't know like there's some or it's by your work email address so there's a domain so you can tell and so like some way where yeah like we can just keep using this and and then we'll see if it if we if we really like it then then we then the argument is it's already here. Either pay or tell the developers they have to stop using a tool they like. That's hard. There is no mm-hmm. there is no manager who wants to have that conversation with an engineer. <laughs> they mm-hmm. might they might so, they might say there's no budget, yeah. but like they don't want that. They really would rather not have that conversation.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. So this is interesting because this is, feels kind of like a sort of like a bottom up approach where it's like let people use it in a low friction way and then hopefully come back and we'll we'll pick up a sale and and figure out how to make it work there. I've I've had pretty good success so far in basically like pre-selling a certain number of seats at a pretty high price for an annual plan, and like that's pretty cool too. Yeah, like I mean, do it. I'm pretty into that.
1: Well, you say that, but no one's no one's using
0: it. It's, it's, yeah, it's You say it's, you have success, yeah. but that's not really true Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. But I'm I'm with you. Like if that if that's the mode, is like we're gonna have a sales team. We're gonna marketing is gonna generate leads for the sales team, and the sales team is gonna call in and make annual chunks and like 50k at a time or whatever kind of things i think that's awesome what slack does is both and again i'm not saying you have to do what slack doesn't just these are just ideas right and, and things that, that have worked in similar context so what Slack does is both there's an easy way to just get in there and go because that's part of how anyone even knows about it in the first place again even if you're having that conversation about the whole thing with someone if they have one team that's actually using it and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we like that, how much easier is the sale now? So it's pretty easy to argue that some kind of grassroots bottoms up thing is helpful, you know, even if you're selling from the top down. Um, and then so what Slack does is that's easy, and then maybe you just buy the number of seats that you have, and that's fine. Maybe they go to the top and say, you know, we could do that, but then we're going to be coming back to you all the time, and you're going to keep paying a different amount, and your budget's going to keep changing. And you know what? If we just go with an annual license and cover up to X people, we'll, the, the unit rate goes way down to this and we'll just talk again in a year. That's exactly what Slack does, right? That is also what some other companies that do dev tools, in particular will do. So there's this grassroots and this like, hey man, we can see where this is going. Why don't we go ahead and, and like get this all organized? And that's a good argument. And then you can sell either way. You can go in from the top. And at SmartBear, we did both. At SmartBear, sometimes... Um, we would go into at the like CTO level or VP of engineering level or sometimes at a big company like a Qualcomm there'd be an entire group just about programming quality for the whole company like a whole group devoted to those things so it depends on on the structure but there would be someone who in that sense that you're saying is like kind of above it all either in the org chart or because they're tasked that way which this could be that too by the way right pair programming could be something that a group like that would consider right and so sometimes it would go in there and they're like, great, here's let's buy 2,000 seats and that's the trial. And if that works, it'll be 8,000 seats. Like you're like, whoa, trial, that's, <laughs> <Wow>. what? Yes, <laughs> right? So there is that, we had that motion, but also we'd had the motion where, in our, in our case, it was code review. So just like you, it would be a group of people. So we'd have a group of people try it and there's just, there just three of them or maybe 10 or something like this. And if it works, they go get the money. And then another team looks at it. So four months later, we see another sale for a little bit more and then and then eventually we sort of go high up the chain and go, look, you now have four different teams across the country using this. It seems like this is what you need. Why don't we and, and so sometimes we'd grow that way. So it did it, it did both in that case. I know it does both in Slack too. I'm pretty sure Atlassian is the same way, right? Like someone sends up a Pajira, someone says a Jira, it's, it's free or it's cheap. Eventually they go, you know, you just need one confluence for everything because having millions of wikis is not good, you guys. And everyone agrees, and so then they make the one big confluence and charge you whatever. So again, I'm not using those to prove "quote unquote" that this is right, but just to show. Well, there's a lot of successful uh, footprints along this path. So it's, it's, and you do have a viral component. Therefore, maybe, maybe although that's work, maybe that is, uh, maybe that could really help the business be successful because as we all know product, uh, the business model is just as important as a feature and the business model is just as tuned into product as features is. It's not marketing sales and business model on the right and product on the left. We all know that's not true. And here you have a product that's naturally viral, which is amazing. Most dev tools aren't. And so a lot of these things don't apply to most dev tools. It's more like that one engineer has to want it. Or like you said, like it has to be mandated from on high, which is not very common, um and so that's hard and that's like so it's super hard to sell an ide for example so they're all free you notice that (laughs) like so some aren't like there's like two that have figured out how to do it and they're still around it's hard like it'd be very hard to launch an ide wouldn't it (laughs) like oh my god right Uh, but you have a naturally viral thing wow um and i hate that word actually because people typically use it and it's not really viral but you really are (laughs) it really is like we need you need to use the software for us both to use the software like it actually is viral (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah. Um, wow, so I would like lean into that and, and uh, even if that means uh, product features that will allow for certain pricing things to happen, man, though, that could mint the business in terms of the business model. So that doesn't sound so like, a, like a bad use of time. Now, is right now the time? I don't know about that, but uh, because no one's paying anyway, so maybe it doesn't matter, but maybe architecturally you could think about that in terms of what does it mean to sign up? What does it mean to be part of a company? How do you account for that? How do you see that? That's where you could think about that um right yeah and is
0: the key thing to think about there making it spread easily is that the the play with the viral situation
1: so if you go to the uh breathless silicon valley type podcasts about super growth or whatever they call it yeah yeah then then what you just said the answer is yes the point is uh spread like a virus and uh, you know things which basically treat your 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 users like you know units humanless Posts. units to go exploit with your viralness right mm-hmm. so y- yes in a more friendly way yes of course the idea is to spread it of course we want you to spread it but rather than in this mean kind of uh, heartless way you can think about spreading it in the in the way that says when i find something i love i like to spread it <laughs> it's because i want other people to use it because it is good <laughs> and also it makes me look good to spread something that is good <laughs> That, that makes my mm, reputation go up, right? Yeah. Or just, we are a distributed team and two people use the tool and they liked it. And so, of course, they each want to use it with somebody else because, like, it's actually good for them in their use case. That's why, not for some nefarious reason or some weird built-in horrible thing, but because actually they want to. So, yes, the point is to spread it, but you can come at it from an attitude of spreading it for good reasons. Like, it really does help. This helps us work in the way we want to work. Hooray. That spirit of spreading. And so what kind of language goes with that? What kind of features goes with that? What would be allowed or disallowed in that case? When you have that mentality, you might have different answers to that than if you have the mentality of, you know, like the Facebook mentality. That's a different mentality for how to make people use it or make people increase engagement. It's a different reason. So you make different choices even know, anybody with a tool probably wants to "quote unquote" increase engagement or utility, sure, like of yeah, sure. that's not bad. But like the, your attitude toward what that means really matters because you'll make different product and business decisions as a result. So, so like this thing about charging, I think you do want it to be easy for someone to for the nth person to invite the n plus one person to do it because that is better for them and it helps you spread. And the best way to do that is not make the n plus one person pay right now that would be the mm-hmm. easiest way for this to actually happen. It's stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, one of my favorite lines which I wish I invented but I did not is uh, that there's only two industries that call their customers users and one <laughs> 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 one is the drugs you buy on the corner. Yeah. And the other is us. I like that. The users. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you think of them as users, like you know right then it's bad that you're that you're infecting their world but if you think of them as customers and you're thinking about that people really want to work this way and you're helping them and and of course you want it to spread so that you can get paid for that duh like that's not that's not evil like if you're calling them customers and so in my language if you're calling them customers it can be good and if you're calling them users then it's not
0: yep it's the same way awesome this is really helpful um i don't want to take any more of your time but it was great talking to you
1: same it was fun i Of course, I love DevTools because I'm an engineer, and I love DevTools companies because I made one. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even realize
0: that overlap there, but that that worked out nicely.
1: Yeah. Tuple. So, some people at WP Engine want to work from home. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) maybe
0: after this, they'll... uh, Too bad. They have to pay. No virality (laughs) allowed.
1: That's right. Suddenly get an email. Hey, uh, we're going to try Tuple.
0: Yeah, cool. Well p- plus I just told you that uh, the product is too slow, so I don't know. We'll see how that turns out. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Is there anything you want to uh, plug, by the way, while you while you're here? Um point people towards?
1: Well, if you like uh if you like this philosophy of business, just as you said, people who like you or your way of doing things, maybe they just want to do business with you. So maybe it's the same. And if so, it's mm-hmm. WP Engine, WP Engine.com. And we are the uh the uh, largest and the the most sophisticated platform for running wordpress sites so if you feel that way then there you go obviously this, this is the intent is not to plug anything but uh yep but uh, there you go
0: i've i've been a customer in the past and it works beautifully so nothing but good things to say there and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you another plug too actually uh which is you're designing the ideal bootstrap business talk at oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites so folks should for sure go watch that. Yeah, if they want the more microcom Jason.
1: site. And I guess I should plug myself. So blog.asmartbear.com is where I've been writing for about, oh, geez, 13 years on these topics. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Jason, for coming by. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks.